Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, I said on yesterday's show we would get to kind of the injury rundown here for the Packers. Uh, some injuries that were talked about going into the Vikings game and unfortunately more injuries coming out of the Vikings game. As far as what happened in Minneapolis, we saw two offensive linemen, David Bakhtiari, Lane Taylor, both leave with injuries. Safety Kentrell Bryce, who's been in and out of the lineup all season long, dealing with one thing or another, but uh, he left the game with a, a couple of concerns. Trevor Davis, his hamstring, which had been the problem and the reason he was on IR at the beginning of the season, that flared up on him again. And I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting somebody else from Kentrell Bryce, game. Trevor Davis, um, Taylor and Bakhtiari. Taylor Bakhtiari. Yeah, I think that's that it. might be it from yeah. the, from the actual game. No real definitive Equity, updates. Brown had their elbow but that's right. Back. St. Brown, he left the game but then came yeah. back in as well. A, a, a forearm type of injury for him. Um, but with regards to David Bakhtiari, Mike McCarthy said he's dealing with a couple of things. Didn't get uh, all that specific there, but. Uh, Packers dealing with some shuffling on the offensive line up front, and quite frankly, the way things went on Sunday night, it seemed the Minnesota Vikings took advantage of kind of the the shuffling, the uncertainty, and maybe some cold guys coming in off the bench. Yeah, it, it's a tough spot to be in, and you, I have, I just have a ton of respect for Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga, the fact that they've been able to to start every game this year, Balaga, especially coming off of the ACL injury and then he's dealt with his nicks and bruises throughout the course yeah. of the season. Bakhtiari's been on the injury report already the last few weeks. Goes out of the game with what was listed as a knee injury, comes back for one series, and then leaves again. Um, yeah, so that's where you had Jason Spriggs came in at left tackle. Justin McCray, who's been down the last couple weeks, probably over a month now, well, he was over at right guard for a second when Byron Bell's shoe came off, <laughs> and then on that one of those plays... Lane Taylor gets hurt with the quad injury, and he has to move over to left guard. For my money, and, and I know you dissect the film a little bit better than I do, I actually thought McCray looked okay, looked, looked fine uh, coming back in. But I think one of the issues was the Vikings end up throwing a multitude of stunts at them down the stretch. You're, you don't really have that camaraderie that you probably usually have between two of those offensive linemen, the inside guys, so uh, they were able to get home a couple times, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was no accident that yeah. as soon as both the left guard and the left tackle for the Packers, the starters, were out of the game, that suddenly we see the stunt from the Vikings yeah. on that side and they get a third down sack. I mean, you know, it's 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 smart on the Vikings' part, you know, and this is a, a defensive front, a pass rush that gets a lot done against the best players in the league. And then they pulled something out of their back pocket when the backups came in the game, and, and they took advantage of it and really just prevented that Minnesota pass rush is what prevented the Packers from regaining any kind of momentum in the second half. Yeah, and, and it's just that they had a perfect marriage there between their pressure packages, what they were trying to do in that regard, and then what their coverage units were able to do, not being able to uh, you know give up holes. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times... You know, Aaron Rodgers, we get these things about, well, you know, he holds on to the ball too long. I don't know if that was necessarily the case in the second half. It was trying yeah. to find the open receiver. And with Xavier Rhodes up until his injury shadowing Devontae Adams and then throwing him extra attention, it's on the rest of the guys to be able to find some openings, and the Packers just weren't able to consistently enough do it. Um, but, yeah, the injury-wise, you look at Bakhtiari and Balaga, I think 
both of those guys working through what they've worked through the course of the season. We'll have to see where things are with Lane Taylor. Certainly you have Jason Spriggs and Justin McCray have played, you know, McCray's played every position on the offensive line. So uh, there's there's depth there. Balaga felt strongly about that depth uh, if they need to go that route or however this shakes out. Um, defensively, though, I think it's going to be an interesting thing seeing where they stand. Kentrell Bryce tried to play through the ankle injury. He actually ends up coming back into the game and then, and then took a big hit. Took a big hit. Yeah. I don't know if it was ever made clear whether or not he was diagnosed with a concussion. He yeah, was all we evaluated. heard was he, he was being evaluated, but we didn't hear any anything definitive one way or the other. We'll find out on the practice yeah. field Wednesday if he's out there able to practice or how he's listed on the injury report. But that uh, the domino effect with that secondary, just with that one guy going out twice, you know, you saw Ibrahim Campbell had to come in and play deep safety. Tremont Williams was rotating everywhere, depending yeah. on what package they were in. That's well, a and, tough spot to be in. Yeah, and we were talking going into the game, you know, both Bashad Breeland, Kevin King were guys who were listed as questionable. They were holding out some hope that they might be able to play, but then they couldn't. We'll see what the status is with those two going forward. Obviously, we, it would be big for the secondary to get them back, but there are already a lot of moving parts in the yeah. secondary. And then those kinds of those kinds of things happen and you know let's face it Wes we're seeing some of the impact of that and I don't mean to pick on Tremont Williams here because he's one of the most respected guys that I've ever covered I hold him in very high esteem but this is a guy who's been bouncing back and forth between corner and safety and then he ends up going back to return punts again for Trevor Davis when Trevor Davis goes out and what do we see well on one play on kind of a pick play uh, in coverage, he gets his feet tangled up and falls down, and it's a 30-yard touchdown, an easy throw and catch to Stephon Diggs. And then after not doing the punt returns for a couple of games or whatever it is, he goes back there and he makes a mistake in the fourth quarter. You know, misjudges a ball, doesn't get out of the way, ends up being a turnover for the Packers. So, um, And like I say, I don't mean to pick on Tremont Williams, but these are the things that can happen right. when you're con you're constantly shuffling within a particular game with regards to injuries just because practice reps and everything else are, are limited in certain spots. And unfortunately, I mean, it, it's the name of the game. Nobody's going to send the Packers any sympathy cards. It's how the NFL game is. Every team has to work through it at one time or another. But some games, it just affects you more than others. Yeah, and I, I you know, you look at Tremont Williams. I have, a lot, as you mentioned, a lot of respect for him, and he, he's earned his money this year. I mean, when you look at what they needed from him coming in as a leader, but also yeah. on the field, yeah, they the reason Tremont Williams came back, honestly, let's think about it, is versatility and durability, the ability thing, right? We always right. talk about that. Tremont Williams gives you that, but. There is something about, okay, well, you're going to play safety on this play. I mean, this is a key communicator position. Yeah. Now you're going to go down to the slot. You're going to go back to safety, back to the slot, uh, depending on what the coverage call is. Now, Tremont Williams, 11, 12 years in the league, he's smart enough to be able to do that. But let's make no mistake, Mike, there's a reason why you and I constantly, everybody has constantly been praising what the Packers were able to do defensively when Kevin King was up, when Jair Alexander was up, and when you had Tremont there and a little bit more security at safety is because it allowed guys to get comfortable at their spots. Yeah. Um, this game, nobody really was able to do that. Even Alexander, to some regard, with traveling with Thielen, had to play multi multiple positions. So, um, yeah, the big thing, I, I'm not saying it's as easy as, okay, Kevin King comes back and this defense is raring to go. But I, I mean, it's such a big loss not having him because that's just that is 
if you have, they always talk about mul you know multiple starters, right? It isn't just eleven yeah. guys. But if you put King in the lineup, that's a boundary corner position that you don't have to think about the rest of the day. Yeah. He just plays there. That's his role, and he's going to fulfill that job. When you don't have him, the different guys you have to cycle through there to make up for it. It's it's a big stress point. Well, and when you look at the way things have fallen with with Tremont Williams playing safety and doing a pretty good job back there, if you're missing King and Breland. I mean, let's be honest. That's two of your top three cornerbacks right. when you have Williams at safety. That's that that's tough to handle, especially with a receiving core that has Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and Kyle Rudolph at tight end. You can't double cover everybody. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the maddening part too is that for my money, maybe you feel differently. I mean, I thought Breland was actually starting to finally look comfortable. Uh, at oh, the time ab in which ab he got absolutely. The, the groin injury. Yeah, he absolutely. He was. He was. He was. Uh, it looked like he was settling into this defense after being a late arrival and then dealing with the hamstring. Now, here's the thing: this game against the Cardinals, and we'll preview it on Wednesday's show. It, it's not going to be the same threats vertically. Uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald still is a guy you have to keep in mind, but I mean, he's not. Larry Fitzgerald from 2008, 2009. Sure. So there aren't the perimeter weapons, but, man, I'll tell you what, I don't know what the plan of attack is. I don't know how close those guys are back from injury, but you got Arizona, or Atlanta coming around the corner uh, with Calvin Ridley and some of their weapons. It's like I'm not saying you have to take another week or anything like that, but this is a week where I think the Packers, you know, they can, they can get healthy. They can see where things land. Uh, but there's still some big games coming up as far as vertical threats and, and people they're going to have to stop. Yeah, no question about it. Well, a little bit of sponsor business here, West Packers fans. Be sure to stop in at your local Quick Trip and pick up your Packers Cup today. Get 89-cent refills on your Cafe Karuba coffee all season long. And if you want a sandwich to go with that coffee, Wes, Ooh. enter the Cousin Subs Best Seats in the House promotion. You and a guest could win a chance to kick back on the 50-yard line in style. Two pairs of lucky Packers fans will be chosen prior to each home game for this VIP experience. Enter daily now through December 16 by completing the entry form and submitting for complete rules and eligibility. Go to Packers.com slash Best Seats Cousin Subs. We believe in better. I want to finish one more point. I usually don't like to jump over you. That's but okay. I, I don't know if this has ever happened before, and I'm very curious if this would work out this season. And we'll talk again about the Cardinals on Wednesday, but the Cardinals are dead last. I didn't realize it until this very moment when I brought up their stats. They're dead last in points, total yards, passing yards, and rushing yards. All four categories. I wonder if a team's ever accomplished that wow. before. Yikes. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I wasn't trying to dog on the yeah. Cardinals, but I'm just saying no, it's not okay. the same kind of threat that you dealt with yeah. with the Vikings and Kyle Rudolph and the multitude of options they yeah. have. Well, I want to get back to something you brought up, which was Alexander traveling with Thielen, yeah. which is another way of saying matched up against a guy, basically, you know, he's your assignment for the entire game. There are different ways to phrase it. But interesting in the fact that I think this is the type of cover cover guy versus receiver matchup that we might be seeing in the NFC North for quite some time this 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 might have been uh this might have been the first this season is kind of the first of what could be many of these two guys uh, going head to head a lot it reminds me a lot of Xavier Rhodes and Devontae Adams yeah uh, on mm -hmm. the other side of the ball I think that that's a matchup for the foreseeable future those guys are going to be seeing a lot of each other um, we've seen it in the past Peanut Tillman some of the matchups he's had yeah. against receivers and, and certainly the relationship he had with Aaron Rodgers this has the makings of that. The exciting thing about Jair Alexander, um, you can talk about the confidence, you can talk about the natural ability uh, and all the things that go along with that, but for Joe Witt Jr., Jason Simmons, and, and Mike Pettin to all sit down and make the decision, and I understand there's been some injuries there, but make the decision that a 21-year-old man 
is ready for that spot. Yeah. He's ready to go up against a Pro Bowl receiver down in and down out. Now, they did some different things, particularly in the second half. It wasn't just always him, just one-on-one, man-to-man. Yeah, the second half, the Packers went to a lot of zone coverages yeah. with what they were dealing with in, in the back end, and, and that's when Thielen really did the bulk of his damage, I thought, was in the second yeah. half. Yeah, but you know, and, and afterwards, Alexander said, he, in his opinion, there were three, plat, three passes he caught on him. He didn't have any touchdowns against them against Thielen. Um, the thing that is the most interesting to me is, okay, the result is what it is. You lost the game. The Vikings rallied in the second half. This is the, You move on. But the knowledge and an ability to get that kind of matchup, to play the amount of snaps that he played in that game, that is going to be so big for Alexander down the stretch yeah. and, and really going forward in his career. He said, you know, Thielen showed him some vet moves. He, he showed him what – the high-level Swiss Army knife type receivers can do in this league because the guy can run the route tree. He can line up anywhere on the line of scrimmage. Well, the, mo- the movie made on that short crossing yeah. route at the end of the first half when there was all kinds of space. I mean, that's that's one-on-one, and it's a crossing route. And you, you could see Thielen was almost putting on the brakes before he caught the ball. Yeah. Like, he knew exactly what he was going to do. And with that much space around him and no defensive help, I mean, Alexander really didn't have much of a chance unless he just completely guessed. Yeah. You know, Jair would have had to completely guess exactly what Thielen was going to do and be right. Or because if if, Thiel, if he actually guesses he's going to cut back and he's wrong, Thielen's going down the sideline where there's even less help right. coming in to uh, to try to cut him off. So, um Speed, that was yeah. that was that was a great that that was a great play by Thielen and and just one of those one on one things in the open field. The speed and, and timing and, and everything that has to be processed in a millisecond is remarkable with that position. And when you take on someone like that, that is as shifty and able to switch on a dime as Thielen is, it's a tough matchup. But like I said, I think Alexander. Those are the kind of reps that are really going to help him going forward. If he can stay healthy, man. That kid has a real shot to be something special in this league, mm-hmm. um, and you've seen it from day one. It's not easy, Mike. You've seen it. You've covered this league for a long time. For a rookie to come in, I don't care if you're a first-round draft pick. I don't care if you're picked in the first 20 picks. To be able to have that confidence in that ability to, to have a short memory on things and play down after down at that level, at that young of age, that's um, – that's going to take you a long way. It was interesting early in the ball game, and you had mentioned the play yesterday, and Larry McCarron breaks it down on uh, one of his rock reports on the website as well. It was almost as though really early in the game, Alex- Alexander sent a message to Thielen, like yeah. this is what you're going to be in for today right. with that, that bubble screen to Diggs, and he, he kind of blew up Thielen, you know, shoved him into Diggs, and then chased down Stephon Diggs for the, the tackle for loss. But uh, and and you could you could see and the open field play at the end of the second quarter we were just talking about there was there was a pride factor there with Adam Thielen not to say that he needed to be woken up or anything yeah. in a big game like this but you could see the rest of the game there was a pride factor with Adam Thielen a- after what happened mm-hmm. in the first quarter early in that game and then in the fourth quarter when um, I believe it was fourth quarter, second half anyway, when Thielen does get the touchdown, he took a pretty big shot from Kyler Fackrell right at the goal line there right. as he as he plowed into the end zone, and he popped right back up and was ready to celebrate. I mean, to me anyway, that was a guy who was remembering what happened to him in the first quarter and didn't like that that was on film for everybody to yeah. see, so to speak. And credit Adam, Adam Thielen, this guy – this guy, he's come from obviously the humble beginnings. We've we've talked about that in the past. This is this 
is an elite receiver in the NFL. This guy is big time. Yeah, totally. And, and the way what he's made himself into coming out of Minnesota State, Mankato, has been really impressive. Uh, it was funny, though. I did ask Alexander about that play at, in the locker room afterwards, and he actually said it had less to do with Thielen than it did Diggs. Uh, he said Stefan Diggs was talking quite a bit early on in that game. <laughs> and he, he was uh, – Thielen was the object he had to get through yeah. to get to him. But I think a lot of that fire was actually stirred by Diggs and the fact that Alexander was able to push him back and then finish that play. Uh, that was a big – he felt like that was a big feather in his cap. Um, but, yeah, those two guys together, what they've developed and, – and a lot of credit, too, to Rick Spielman – to be able to find, you know, Diggs in the later rounds. What was Diggs? I want to say his fifth round pick or something. Yeah, like that. he was fifth round out of Maryland. Yeah, and and to be able to get him, and then be able to to have confidence in your in-state schools and give a guy a shot. I mean, that's the reason why the Packers bring in Jake Kumaro, right? I mean, you get these guys in the state system that sometimes you get a little bit more familiarity with that other teams aren't paying attention to, and you give them a shot. Uh, and, and they've certainly it's worked out for them. And that's going to be two players the Packers are going to be seeing for a long time. Yeah, when you don't have to invest a, a first or second round draft pick in the wide receiver position and you have a pair like that that are still young and, and you know, on the rise as, as they are, that's, uh, you know, as our friend Pete Doherty likes to say, that's like found money it in is. the NFL. When, when you either an undrafted guy or a guy who's drafted on the third day becomes a frontline Pro Bowl level player like that, that's a, that, that's a tremendous asset to building an NFL roster. That's why I've, I've continually, constantly maintained uh, that 2013 draft for Ted Thompson doesn't get nearly enough credit. Because if you go back and look at that, Mike, there were two players that were taken on the third day of the draft, non-fullbacks, that turned into Pro Bowl players. Packers got both of them in Micah Hyde and in David Bakhtiari. David Bakhtiari. In addition to J.C. Treader, who ended up becoming a starting center for the Cleveland Browns. Finding Bakhtiari in the fourth round of that draft, considering how many first round misses there were on the offensive line in that draft how just how many first round misses at left tackle there are almost every year in the draft and the Packers got a franchise one in the fourth round that's been a big factor in the Packers building their offensive line the way they have over the years if you redraft that that draft I mean that's a hypothetical but David Bakhtiari is probably a top five pick might be top three yeah uh you know behind maybe Le'Veon Bell and somebody else but I mean it's that's how you do it, and credit to the Vikings. That's uh, that's what they've done, and, and they're right in the thick of this thing. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll find out as the week goes along what the status is with Bakhtiari, some of these other injured players for the Packers getting ready for Arizona. But with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.